we fear things when we think that something could escape our control. Fear of doing something wrong. We ruminate or catastrophize about what happened in the past and I'm stuck there or I'm fearing all these things that may happen in the future that probably won't, but I, I, you know, that's creating anxiety. So, you know, not living in that present and fearing that loss of control on either side of the present, I think is a big part of anxiety. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Tyler Weeb. Today we're going to talk about anxiety, which in um, kind of the Western world seems to be talked about in tandem with depression. Everybody is, quote, suffering from anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression. Yet they're two very different things. Um, so it, it's something interesting to parse apart. And I'm interested, Tyler, is just a way to kind of intro this. You and I have openly said we it's something we've struggled with. And if you look at how the mental health industry or, or profession describes it, of course, anxiety or anxiousness is an emotion. You're, you, we're all going to feel that from time to time, and that can be very, very important. It can be a good thing. If you suffer from anxiety, that could be a pathological response to stimuli that shouldn't push you quite that far. And I think you and I have felt that we either cross that line once in a while or with different circumstances or we're close enough that we wanted to kind of get a handle on that. Me at, at even a very, very young age, I had an incident this week that like went a million times farther than I knew anxiety could go that I'll, I'll share in a, in a bit. But you recently had a work trip. You went out to the the pro physique. You're one of the founding couple of coaches in the the amazing coaching group Pro Physique, uh, started by Paul Ravella. And you guys just had a a first annual coaches retreat. So it was team building. It was fun. Let's get away from the normal work life and, and get together and hang out. And, and I would just ask you, did you feel like that was refreshing and fun, which is kind of the opposite of anxiety and like, man, this was a good thing. Uh, you know, what was your experience just this weekend? Yeah, I would say you hit it right on the head. It was, you know, it was refreshing. It was fun. You know, I think when you have a business like Pro Physique, you know, like you online, we kind of quickly forget how important community is within your business or within the, your job, you know, are you going to like everyone? No, but chances are you're going to have one or two friends, you know, within that realm that make work enjoyable. I mean, we spend the majority of our life working and so you're just naturally going to find that. And so when you have a, a platform like ours and you're spread out everywhere, it can be tough to have a lot of that camaraderie if within your team. And so, yeah, whenever you're able to just get together, you know, have that weekend, kind of catch up a little bit, um, it, it's definitely, you know, fills like a, a different kind of cup. Um, and you come back feeling refreshed in a in a different way, motivated in a different way. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, I think maybe we've talked about this before, just nothing beats, you know, face-to-face contact as, as human beings and enjoying one another's company and, and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. So if an experience like that seems like the opposite of anxiety, you went there fun, 
feel refreshed, connected, like this was good, something yeah. we want to continue. What what is it about anxiety that makes it anxiety? What's what what elicits that response from us? I would say just, I mean, from personal experience, like almost like a like a certain kind of like fear of of something of, you know, for me, it was, you know, the fear of, of, of looking dumb because I believed I was dumb of, you know, looking a certain way because I believed certain things about myself. And so the narrative that I had convinced myself of would feed into this anxiety in certain situations or, or in certain areas of my life. And it would just kind of be like this, this loop on itself. So that's kind of where mine would almost come from, which is like just this, this fear of uh, of not living up to to whatever expectation I had for myself or what I thought other people thought of me or or what have you in that sense. And if and if I if I had to say because I think that's a great answer, I, I love that you brought the word fear into it. I, I wasn't even going to use that word until you said it. And now I think, wow, that's really a good hit. Um, it's almost like a lack of control. Like you went to this pro physique weekend and the expectations were not high. You didn't have to go give a public dissertation. You didn't, you know, you, you weren't vying for anything. It was just like, Hey, this is a chance to chill out, have fun, connect. We're supposed to relax. We fear things when we think that something could escape our control. Um, and, and so like you just said, fear of doing something wrong uh, a, a lot of people talk about it in the context of, you know, we we ruminate or catastrophize about what happened in the past and I'm stuck there or I'm fearing all these things that may happen in the future that probably won't. But I, I you know, that's creating anxiety. So, you know, not living in that present and fearing that loss of control on either side of the present I think is a big part of anxiety. And, and I was talking to a friend of mine who we were talking about drinking. And he said, yeah, I really, you know, for my health goals, I probably should just give up drinking, kind of the, the sober October thing. And he said, I actually tried it for, for a few days and it was awful. And I, and I said, well, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, he asked me, he asked me personally, like, how much do you drink? And I said, oh, in a month, like 30 days, maybe eight times, because like usually I drink on the weekends. And he said, well, how much? And I said, well, maybe a couple beers on the weekend or maybe a glass of wine Friday, like nothing. He goes, and I said, and I said well, how about you? And he said, like, usually two or three a night, every night. And I had to say, ooh, um, is it just because you love a certain drink? Because it sounds like you're fearing something in the evenings or you're, you know, you hated your day. And so you need to wind down because if, if you have to, quote, medicate yourself with alcohol every night, like that's an indication that there's some kind of anxiety there. And, and I, I think in terms of the, the audience that we have in, you know, hardcore fitness and so forth, you know, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves, right. To perform, to look a certain way, to win certain titles and move up the ladder in some regard career wise. And like, I, I know I have felt when I have felt, I should say the highest amount of pressure, those expectations are high. You know, that's where that anxiety just keeps dialing up, dialing up, dialing up. And so I'm, I'm curious, looking at, at your past weekend as a little bit of an indicator, like, oh, that's the opposite side of that coin. That's what we need more of. Like, is that part of combating anxiety is just 
taking the time, regularly scheduled breaks, knowing when enough is enough and just pulling back? Is that one way of controlling anxiety? I think it depends. Like, yes and no. Like, it, I think it depends on the type of activity. It depends on the person. What is that person, you know, using that activity for, right? Like, you know, if you're going to go out partying, but that just, you know, kind of leads to this increased anxiety or, or, or it's still a coping mechanism. Well, is it then actually relieving it? Right. Like, is it still something that you're dependent on to, to, to get rid of some type of, some type of anxiety. And so maybe mm-hmm. like, I think it just, it does depend, right? Like on the context and, and the person and, and how, and how they're using that weekend to, to, to get away. Like if you're just using it to ignore things, well, then we're probably having an issue, right? If, you know, you are actively dealing with whatever anxiety that might be, you know, you have a realistic outlook at it of like, Hey, yeah, I know I'm going through this. I'm going to just, you know, put it in the back of the head tonight. I'm going to forget about it, unwind, and then I'm going to tackle it tomorrow. Okay. Well now, now we're talking about, yeah, that's probably a positive thing. Like a small example for me during my work day, I make sure that I go out for scheduled walks, some type of activity, roughly every two hours, depending on just what I'm doing. It's an opportunity for me. It's like, okay, I just spent an hour on one task. My anxiety is like, okay, I've got, I know I've got a lot left to do. You know what? I'm going to go for a walk, relax, calm down. And then away we go. Right. And so like, that's a way to kind of combat things throughout the day for me. And and to me, that is the perfect part of normal mental health, normal self-care and dealing with that, preventing with it. And and I was going to ask you, uh, when, when I sought a counselor, a mental health therapist for help with anxiety, I wasn't, well, I shouldn't say I wasn't having panic attacks. I, w- I was not having full-blown panic attacks, but I was feeling some anxiety that was definitely disrupting sleep and so forth. And it was pretty contextual. And so dealing with a couple of the therapists I chose to work with, you know, they kind of started with the foundational issues and it's how you deal with stress. It's how you deal with an expectation or a high pressure situation. And so what you just said there, which is, you know, I'm going to chunk out my time. I'm going to make sure I take these breaks. The the brain is an organ. Like it can only take so much and it, it can only give us so much focus without creating some kind of a spiral, whether it's just lack of attention and poor work or anxiety. So for those of us who feel that, you know, I think it shows a pretty high sensitivity to performance and, you know, back to our audience, even just in how you look, you know, like, let's say you're a retired pro bodybuilder like me or something, or, you know, this is your career. Like, man, if I'm 10 pounds overweight, do I look bad as a coach? Am I losing my credibility? Like there's just pressure, pressure, pressure to look, feel your best, maybe even just for your health. Like some people feel like they have to be a a true hell zealot. Like I can't eat that. I can't do this because it's bad for me. And, and that creates some anxiety. So I, I think, I think our industry, even though it should be the opposite, I think it almost creates kind of a culture of higher anxiety because of higher expectation. Yeah. And we're also all hopped up on caffeine plus pre-workout. <laughs> So you throw that into the mix along with, you know, a huge population that has body image issues. 
I think you're definitely uh, you're a good recipe for, for a, an anxiety-driven industry. And I like the way you put that. <laughs> well, this is why, you know, I mentioned that the brain is an organ and it just has limits. So the other night, I just woke up from a dream and it was kind of a nightmare. And I, I have this one particular recurring dream, if there are any Jungian or Freudian fans out there, like you're going to love symbolism in this. <laughs> But I have this recurring dream. I've had it for years and years and years and years of this particular house and in different dreams. I'm in different parts of this house. But one thing that is always the same is on the lower level of this house, like almost like a basement, there's a hidden room. And like sometimes in this particular dream, I, I, I'm looking for it and I can't find it. Like, where did it go? I know it's here somewhere. This particular night, I found it, and it's always like around this corner, around another corner, around another corner, around under a staircase, like a secret little door. And it's kind of a small door, and then you get to it, it's like, oh, this is the room, like I'm here. And it's like, I, I can't remember specifically, but I just remember like that's my room, and there's like my stuff, like this is comfort, this is home. And this particular dream, like the hallway was super narrow, and I couldn't get through, and I got stuck. And I, I literally like, I don't know how long I was in this dream where I was stuck, but I woke up and all I could say was an existential terror. Like it wasn't just, oh man, I'm having a bad dream. I'm glad I'm awake. Like for an hour, I honestly felt like I was losing reality. I thought, okay, am I like, is this a schizophrenic like type feeling? Like I can't calm down. And it's not like I'm thinking these thoughts and I don't like these thoughts. It's, I can't even think straight. Like I'm just in terror and I cannot describe it. I can't even explain it to you. Hmm. You know, when Nietzsche said, if you stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares back at you and you hear things like, you know, if you're in pure ego dissolution, like it's terror. Like I, all I can describe is I had this feeling that I could not escape and every once in a while, I was lucid and I was totally awake. I was lucid enough to realize like, this is bad. This is bad. Am I losing my mind? And I could not figure out why this mental state was so pervasive that I could not think my way out of it. <laughs> um, it was the craziest wow. thing. And all I can say, and this, this is going to be my organic explanation, Um. That day, that morning, I had watched an interview with two soldiers, American soldiers who were in Ukraine, who got captured by the Russians, and they were tortured and you know for days and weeks, and they were describing it, and they talked about something similar. They were talking about how you know they were made to just stand for 18 hours straight, and they couldn't sleep, and they couldn't do this, and they said, you lose your mind quickly, like you start questioning your sanity. That particular day was the anniversary of my father's death. A client who came in to work out in my facility that morning, he texted and said, I got a family emergency. Can I come in a little bit later? I said, sure. He comes in and I'm like, hey, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And he said, yeah, my mom just died. And I'm like, dude, like, are, are you okay? Are you, do you want to be here? Like, and like we cried together, you know, that, I mean, again, anniversary of my father's death. I've been reading these memorials from my siblings about my dad, this, you know, that thing about torture. And, you know, then I'm talking about all these things through the day with my wife and so forth. And so, you know, that when we dream, 
dimethyltryptamine in our brain, the neurotransmitter that makes us dream, we do that to sort through all of the thoughts and emotions of the day. And we kind of categorize things. And that's part of how we stay sane. Our brain takes our sleep hours to filter through and put all that stuff away. All I can think of was like my brain was maxed out that day. Like when, when I went into that download mode in my sleep, it was just like existential fucking terror. And again, it wasn't that I intellectually woke up and said, oh, that's why I had that dream. I'll just go back to sleep. My brain was disconnected. Like something happened, some kind of psychic break for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. Like I finally got back to sleep and the next morning, like I was still shaken. So wow. again, like anxiety, oh. depression, mental health, it's not just you having thoughts that you need to talk to a therapist about. Sometimes your brain can break. Like you can, you can have pathologies when your brain just can't take any more. And it's something to really consider and think about in your own long-term mental health care. Wow. I, I didn't know what to expect. That was, that was quite the uh, dream, the experience, the, the, yeah. Like, did it almost feel like there was like a wall that you couldn't get past in your brain almost? Like there was like, you just were like knocking up against something that wouldn't let you break through? It, it, was, it was weird in the fact that there were only brief moments of lucidity. Like usually if you're having a negative emotion, you can talk yourself through it. Like, oh, I'm sad or I'm this or I, I'm angry because of this situation or this person. Here, it was just a state of mind that was so nakedly terrorizing and just a sense of emptiness and just a void. Like, I'm not who I, like, I'm not here. Like, knocking on the door and no one is home. And only once in a while, I could say, why? Like, why am I, like, why? How do I get out of the state? What is happening to me? Um, and like, I, I finally got up. I'm like, well, I just need to distract myself. Which again, so this is my coping mechanism, right? If you're talking about death, anxiety, existential dread and terror, you know, we talk about people who choose religion or choose this, or maybe they choose drugs, alcohol, just to numb themselves. My way of coping is information, stimulus, distraction. I distract myself intellectually if I don't want to think about painful things. That wasn't working in that moment. My normal coping mechanism was not working. And all there was was dread and terror that, that had no basis. Like it just, there wasn't anything causing it. It was just there and I couldn't get out. I can't describe it. It's just like, it's, yeah. I've never felt it. Yeah. I think I have an idea of, of kind of what you were feeling. I'm, I, I kind of feel like I've gone through something similar, uh, just at, but it, normal <laughs> or, or, you know, just in my day to day life. Um, and it's, yeah. Cause it, it, it got to the point where it's just like, I literally have no idea why I feel this way. I like, it was kind of like, I had been at therapy tons and tons. I'd already done tons of work in my life, you know, in, in that sense. Uh, and it just felt like there was no answer whatsoever. And 
there were literally times where I'm like, am I going crazy? Like, is this what it feels like? Like, it almost feel like an out of body experience at, at times where it's just like, what the hell is going on here? And yeah, like it's once you start to ask yourself that, like it gets scary because you're going, what the fuck? <laughs> well, the reason I'm glad you said that is like, I, like I understand what I described is probably quite normal for some people. And, and for the reason you said, again, if I'm having some kind of relationship discord or I'm stressed from a job or financial you know I, we've all had things that right. put pressure on us that make us anxious or depressed but when there's no reason and you can't even think your way out of it again a, a new depth that i didn't know could exist of of just pure angst that other people may be like yeah joe that's how i feel every day you know that's what biochemical anxiety is or depression and so forth and and, you know, the reason I want to say that is, A, um, you know, we, we do choose some way to cope with this. Of course, some are healthier and better and hope for hopefully forward leaning, progressive in terms of getting us out of that or giving us ways to deal with it. But it also made me think of that that true phrasing of ego dissolution and something that that did come back to me as I was trying to describe it to myself was this this is the actual meaninglessness that you talk about so much, Joe. Uh, this is what it's like to know that there is nothingness, like that you are nothing. Anything could happen to you. I'm, I'm stuck in this dream in this hallway. And what if nobody ever finds me? What if I'm stuck here and I die? Like what? Like just like there's just nothingness. Like you are nothing. And I don't know. It was just it was a weird thing. And as I said, it's it's almost. I have to assume looking back because of the day I had, you know, the needle got stuck in that brain dump download with the dream state, or I just reached a capacity for dealing with those kind of thoughts of death, anxiety and so forth. But I, I do have to, you know, encourage all of our listeners and viewers, like, give me some feedback. Like, is this something that you go through? Is this, this what medical anxiety, you know, treated depression is like, um, because like I said, we've all had our ups and downs and we all struggle from time to time, but that level of obviously not long-term, but call it 30, 60 minutes of just, I, I can't find my way back to my own brain was the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. 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 Anxiety is a, it's a hell of a thing it, and it's. And there's such a wide spectrum, uh, you know, everyone feels it differently. Everyone deals with it differently. Like, yeah, I'm sure this, you know, we could go on for another 30 minutes, just going back and forth and, and talking about these things. And it's, it's such a broad subject that so many people in some aspect of their lives deal with. And so, yeah, I think it's important to at least, you know, what I found, just talk, talk it out. Like, that's how I was able to start like organizing it and, and, you know, finding a safe space to actually be able to like start working through these issues. And, you know, for me, you know, my brain, it was so jumbled and so fast and chaotic and a million miles a minute. I mean, sometimes I'll message you on four different platforms with four different ideas for four different things, right? Like that's how my brain works. And so 
you threw all of that in there with that, like, you know, to have that space to start to unjumble those thoughts, slow down. Like that was a huge part of me getting a handle on that anxiety. And, and to, to leave our audience with something kind of positive and useful, um, you know, re recognize that this is not general anxiety. I, I really feel this is like an organic schism that was dangerously kind of on the precipice of just my brain saying that's too much. Uh, but for my more specific types of anxiety I've dealt with due to expectations and that kind of thing, you know, it is exactly like you said to begin with ha having those those tangible cognitive ways of dealing like this, the frequent breaks, like in taking care of yourself. And maybe I need a vacation once in a while. That's just for normal health for your organic brain and mental state. Then what you just said there about talking it out. Um, most experts in anxiety will say, you know, as soon as you, at least for part of the time, sometimes you need to work on it. You need to think through things and, and do therapeutic activities other times you need to stop ruminating. You need to stop catastrophizing and you need to become outwardly focused, like <clears throat> find somebody who needs some help and you go give your brain a break on thinking about your own situation and go help somebody else. And a lot of counselors say that's like goal number one. Like that's the first thing I do for people with anxiety. So, you know, many, many ways to, to, to work your way through that. It has to be very, very long-term oriented. Like for me, it was always that sense of expectation and perfectionism. And um, if I'm not good with losing control, then I need to become better at those expectations of controlling what, controlling why. So, you know, so, like you said, big, big, big topic, but I think there are, are so many great tools and steps and not just theories, but practical ways to deal with it that if anybody here feels like they've they've lost that edge and they're kind of leaning into anxiety that gets out of control where you feel like you're losing sleep, feel like you need a coping mechanism like alcohol or something, then it's it's time it's time to reach out. Definitely. All right, Tyler. Thanks again. I know I kind of jumped that story on you. It was funny watching your expression, like, whoa, like expect that. <laughs> no, that's that's the best. Do you want a genuine reaction? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if I maintain my sanity, but, uh, thank you, Tyler. Thank you guys for watching, listening. We'll see you next time in the mind muscle connection.